What is up, YouTube? It is day two of Texas Sports Unfiltered. I am BK Brad Kellner, filling in again this morning, the great Trey Elling as Bucky Godbolt, who I promise will normally be with us weekdays from 8 to 10 on this channel, spent his second straight night at the Atlanta airport. He is making his way back to Austin. He will be on the show tomorrow morning. This is not some sort of bit to try to get you guys to tune into what we were doing. We promise that Bucky Godbolt will be a ginormous part of this channel, but he has had some ridiculous travel issues trying to make his way back from his 50-year high school reunion, and he's got some great stories to tell tomorrow morning, so you don't want to miss that. But Trey, who is nice enough to fill in yesterday, is nice enough to fill in again this morning. Trey, what's going on, brother? Appreciate you stepping up once again. Hey, happy to do so, even if it means waking up at an ungodly hour to help out. I mean, look, this is a new business venture, and so it's all hands on deck, and inevitably problems arise, some that are completely out of our control. So, one, doing a show with you is always a joy and a pleasure, and two, to, to get to help out our good friend Bucky Godbolt, it's a no-brainer for me, even on vacation here in Breckenridge, Colorado, as you can see behind me. Yeah, beautiful backdrop once again, my friend. And boy, boy, the airport is one of the best places for people watching. I'm assuming some of what Bucky's going to be talking about with you tomorrow morning has to do with just some of the insane people that he was around for two days at the Atlanta airport. Oh, dude, coming up in about 20 or 30 minutes, we are going to run down the best of Bucky Godbolt on Twitter. The Buck is back on Twitter for the first time since 2017, and he has been ranting hard about his experiences making his way back from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and of course, spending a couple of nights at the Atlanta airport. So we're going to share the screen. You're going to be able to see some of Bucky's tweets. We're also going to react. I don't know if you've seen most of these, Trey. These, uh, these might be new to you, and maybe some of our audience has seen some of this stuff, but hopefully uh, we'll get a few laughs along the way taking a look at Bucky tweeting for the first time in years, talking about what's been going on with him over the last 72 hours or so. I actually have not seen these tweets yet, so I'm excited to check them out. I did have to retweet his first tweet in six years or whatever it was uh, last week, and my retweet simply said, hell hath frozen over <laughs> Bucky back on Twitter now, but here we are. And oh. I'm glad that he was back on Twitter to help document his experience at the Atlanta airport. Yes, me too. So we'll get into some of that, but yeah, Bucky's first tweet since he was sending thoughts and prayers to folks in the Houston Galveston area for the oncoming hurricane Harvey. Like that's how long it had been since Bucky has found his way onto Twitter. And uh, boy, it was an experience just trying to get him to remember his password. Matter of fact, he couldn't remember his own password. I had to drive up to Austin basically to log Bucky into his Twitter so he could get back on that thing. Uh, that's how clueless that dude is when it comes to social media. That's how clueless that dude is when it comes to the internet and really just technology in general. I had to go up there and help him. And I know you had to go to his house and help him set up his youtube equipment so he'd be ready to go for the first day i mean the guy is something else man for so many different reasons 
Well, I feel like I got off easy then having to drive to the domain to meet him to help him understand how to tweet once again. If you had to drive all the way from Houston to help him out with his password. Yep, yep. It was uh, worth it to get what we've gotten out of the buck over the last few days. So He even needed, he even needed a mental primer. He was like, so what, I, I just share, <laughs> I, I just hit this plus button and share what I'm thinking? I'm like, yeah, share whatever you want to. Share a stupid picture. Share your thoughts. Say something Toxic to somebody else without any sort of recourse. All of mm -hmm. those things. That's what Twitter's all about. Yeah, and he told me that people are mean on this app. And I said, yes, they are, Buck. Welcome back to Twitter. Post and ghost is a strategy that a lot of people deploy effectively. Yes, yes, indeed. So day one of Texas Sports Unfiltered was a great success. We're rolling out the same lineup again today. So Trey, obviously with me this morning from 8 to 10, and the great Kevin Dunn will once again be joining me from noon to one this afternoon. So if you missed KD's return to any sort of platform like this, uh, you missed out on a crazy show. You can go back on this YouTube channel and catch up on the podcast. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple as well. Uh, both of the podcasts that we did yesterday are posted there. So you can catch Trey and I's debut show yesterday morning. You can also catch KD, Trey, and I. We were all together for a little bit from 12 to 1. You can find all of that stuff, once again, right here on YouTube, but also on Spotify and Apple as well. And it's been overwhelming, all of the support that we've gotten. It's crazy. We're already over 3,000 subscribers on YouTube, and it is just our second day of this thing. So we really do appreciate all of y'all's support early on. And, uh, man, we already got 100-plus viewers in this morning. So thank you guys again for coming back. We won't give the whole spiel like we gave yesterday, but we are obviously super excited about getting this thing off the ground, and you guys are a huge, huge part of that. So thank you very much for your continued support of what we're doing, and please like this video, subscribe to this channel, and spread the word as often as you can. Uh, it really does mean a lot to all of us. All right, Trey, we've got a poll to talk about. I know everybody and their mother loves preseason polls but, uh, hey, I'm actually a fan. It gives us something to talk about. And I don't think preseason polls matter that much for Texas because we know Texas is a big enough brand and we know what Texas has to do to get where they need to get. But I still think preseason polls matter to some teams out there. And I think it's worth talking about, right? It sets expectations for every team going into the upcoming college football season. So we've got the preseason coaches poll. From USA Today, this is not the AP poll, of course. This is just the coaches poll. But uh, you want to take a guess on who came in at number one on the first coaches poll of the season, Trey? Even if they are replacing their starting quarterback, the Georgia Bulldogs do deserve the respect to be ranked number one preseason. I've cheated. I've already seen who the number one is. So, yeah, Georgia's <laughs> at number one. No surprises there. Yeah, even if you didn't cheat, you would have been able to guess that one pretty easily. They got 61 of the 66 first-place votes. So not a unanimous selection for Georgia, but no surprise that the back-to-back -back defending national champions, despite having to replace their 42-year-old quarterback <laughs> and so much else on their roster, uh, they are the number one team in the land once again. We're not going to go 1-25, to 25, but uh, – We'll, uh, we'll give you up until where Texas is on this ranking. And obviously, we'll give our thoughts on where the Longhorns are ranked, and we'll debate whether or not it's too high, too low, or just right. So Georgia comes in at number one. Michigan, after winning the Big Ten and making it to the college football playoff, they're number two. Alabama, of course, the Longhorns opponent in week two 
of the 2023 season. They're number three, Ohio State number four. Uh, no surprise with the top four. It feels like those are always your top four nowadays in college football. LSU number five, USC with Lincoln Riley number six, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, and Tennessee rounding out the top ten. So no Texas yet. Number 11 is Washington. And then coming in at number 12, Trey, the Texas Longhorns, right ahead of Notre Dame, Utah, and Oregon. Uh, your thoughts? Look, I, I think a lot of Texas fans are now trained to not give a rat's you-know-what about preseason polls. But what do you think? Texas at number 12, does that feel right to you? I think it makes sense when you look at the teams around them. That Washington team that did beat them in the Alamo Bowl last year being a spot ahead of them. Washington returns a lot from last season's team. So I have no issues with them falling just behind Washington. And you look at the teams just behind them, Notre Dame, Utah, Oregon, and TCU at 16. Like, I don't think TCU is a top 25 team right now, but they're going to get the respect of a team that went on the run that they did last year, making it all the way to the national championship game before getting blown out in a perfect storm by those Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, but I do worry, though, because I see the uh, coaches poll getting a lot of Big 12 teams wrong in my mind. So maybe they're getting Texas wrong too. But the fact that Texas is the first Big 12 team to show up in this poll, I think is uh, in line with how everybody else feels about the Longhorns versus the rest of the conference this year. Uh, some of those other Big 12 teams, BK, I mentioned TCU at 16. Kansas State at 17, I would probably have Kansas State as the second best uh, team in the Big 12 right now. And Oklahoma at 19. Um, I'm, I'm probably don't have them in the top 25. They're going to have to prove it just a little bit. And Texas Tech coming in at uh, 24. I would maybe have Tech somewhere around 20, but I think that's a, a pretty fair ranking for them too. And by the way, Tech fans, congratulations. Whatever it's worth with a preseason coaches poll that has likely been filled out by the communications director for the football program, uh, you do find yourself one spot in front of those Texas A&M fighting Aggies. They will always get a kick out of that. It doesn't matter what conference that the two teams are in. Texas Tech always wants to be ranked ahead of Texas A&M. There's some hatred that still goes on between those two schools. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. Uh, yeah, I think you brought up a lot of noteworthy things there, but the most noteworthy point was the fact that Texas is the highest-ranked team in the Big 12. I think the fact that there are no Big 12 teams ranked in the top 11 kind of tells you where this conference is right now. There are plenty of question marks around the league going into 2023. And look, I think if Texas had had more success over the last 10 or 12 years with the talent and experience that this team has, they'd probably be ranked inside the top 10. Like I do think the Longhorns have a top 10 most talented roster in all of college football, but this is a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me kind of thing. And hell, we're at 13 years of being fooled by Texas being ranked too high in preseason polls. So that's where it is right now. Like you could definitely make a case that Texas should be higher, but also if you wanted to make a case that the Longhorns should be lower because of past failures, then I don't know if I would argue too much against you, but it does feel like Texas is the clear favorite in the big 12 this year. Obviously the uh, big 12 preseason poll indicated that same exact thing. And uh, yeah, no surprise that the Longhorns are the highest ranked team in this conference. And I'm with you with uh, some of the other things that you said. TCU's getting that bump because they made it all the way to the national title game last year. They lost a ton. They won a ton of one-score games. They had a lot of luck go their way, which, hey, I, I, I would take their season in a heartbeat, okay? Like, I'm jealous. Yeah. If it sounds like I am jealous about TCU, 
and what they did in 2022, it's because I am. I would take luck. I would take all those one-score games. Hell, Texas had some fortune a few years ago, and all they did was win a Sugar Bowl. They didn't even win the conference. They won a Sugar Bowl. They didn't come close to the college football playoff. So if you can turn a fortunate season into a trip to the CFP and into a trip to the national title game, then, hey, more power to you. But I do expect TCU to take a big step back. I don't think they're a top 25 team this year. And uh, you said it, man. Oklahoma's obviously very interesting. So it's weird. This conference is weird this year. And it's kind of been the case at times over the last four or five years. But this year especially, it really feels like we just have no idea what to expect. And you can almost make a case that if you were filling out your own preseason poll and ranking the Big 12 1 to 14, because that's where we're at right now, uh, you could come up with all sorts of different combinations. And you can make tons of different arguments to play certain teams in certain spots. Yeah, I agree with that. And look, as I said previously, like nobody's going to get outraged at, with Texas at 12. If you feel like they should be a top 10 team, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. The good news for you is that two weeks into the season, you're going to have uh, a chance to prove yourself as a top 10 team. So if you take care of business in Tuscaloosa on September 9th, then congratulations. You'll probably find yourself in the top eight or top six uh, once that game is over with and those new polls do come out. But I hope the uh, Texas players look at these rankings and perhaps it grows the chip on their shoulder, but it also shows them that they do have an opportunity to accomplish a lot this year. Uh, starting at 12, it's just a starting point. Um, and, uh, but it's better than starting down at 24 where Texas Tech is or te- 25 where AM is. But even those schools, if they take care of their business, they'll work their way up. So the opportunity is there. People have a belief that you're going to be good once again. So now it's time for you to go out and prove it. Yep. Agreed. 100%. And look, if Texas wins that game in Tuscaloosa, forget top 10, they're going to be ranked in the top five. Maybe assuming, assuming the Longhorns take care of business against rice. Do I even have to say that? And assuming Alabama doesn't lose to middle Tennessee state in their season opener. Do I even have to say that? Uh, Now Texas wins that game. They're going to be a top five team in college football. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, they've got everything in front of them this year. They were obviously close against the Crimson Tide last year. I don't think this is an LSU 2019 to 2020 situation by any stretch of the imagination, but I was – look, COVID sucked for a billion different reasons. I was so pissed that Texas didn't get its shot at redemption against LSU. Number one, because I wanted to go. I've never been to Death Valley, and I really wanted the opportunity to experience game day there because everyone says it's one of, if not the best, game day experiences in all of college football. But number two, like I knew LSU was going to be bad that year. I didn't think they were going to be that bad. They were awful, and Ed O obviously lost his job right after that. But uh, I like I figured Texas would be around as good as they were the year before. And I knew LSU was going to take a pretty decent sized step back because they lost Joe Burrow and like 72 players to the NFL. Uh, I really wanted that chance to beat them in their house because that would have been just a nice signature win for the program. Alabama's not going to be bad. They're not going to have a losing record or anything like LSU did in 2020. But like I, I feel better about Texas's chances this year going into Bryant-Denny than I did last year, even though the game was in Austin. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Are you going to Tuscaloosa, by the way? I think so, man. The wheels are in motion. I I'm haven't booked any flights. Happen, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I want to go. I want to go really badly, but we'll have opportunities in the future if we don't get there this year. But like you said, 
it feels like the Longhorns have a better chance to win that game this year than the game last season in Austin. And we know how close that game was. Dude, get your ass to Tuscaloosa. We'll do a pre and post game at the Airbnb that I'm staying at if they even have internet in that city or in that state. <laughs> well, that's the added impetus now is like you and I go up there on like a Friday or something and actually do our show from some sports bar there and hope we don't get punched out by the <laughs> insane hillbilly Alabama fans that love just uh, trading blows if you don't root for their team. Oh, man. I want to win that game for so many different reasons. Of course, everyone hearing the sound of my voice right now does as well. But just to see Alabama fans' reaction in person. It's not just like losing to Texas. It has nothing to do with Texas at all. Just whenever they lose a game under Nick Saban, oh, my God, they're ready to fire Nick Saban. It's like, he's done. We got to make a change. He's lost his fastball. This dynasty is over. We've got no shot. We suck. Like, it's amazing. You think Texas fans overreact to losses? Hell no. We're used to this shit by now. We've got plenty of years of dealing with heartbreak and tragedy as uh, college football fans. It is amazing. And I'd kill to have this problem. But it is amazing to watch Alabama fans react after losing a single regular season football game. I want to get to witness that in person in their house, Trey. Can you imagine 10 or 11 regular season wins feeling like a letdown of a year? I mean, talk about feeling (laughs) being relative. Yeah. Nine wins. We feel like we just won a freaking college football playoff championship in Austin right now. Yep. Like we're begging for nine or 10 wins this year. I would, I think, murder somebody for a 10 win season this year. (laughs) Like that is how desperate I am right now as a Texas football fan. And yeah, 10 win seasons, like just 10 win seasons in Tuscaloosa are disastrous. And oh, by the way, it doesn't help them that, you know, their old defensive coordinator is now winning national championships at a rival school across the conference. So that's not helping as well. But yeah, I mean, the chance. The chance is there for Texas, man. And, you know, that's that's an opportunity to make a statement, obviously, early on. To hell with just the polls, but obviously expectations change a lot if uh, you're able to go in there and, and find a win in week two in Tuscaloosa. It'd be a lot of fun. Well, you people are already active on the comment line this morning on YouTube. Thank you very much for that. Love what Jose had to say. Texas at 12 is warranted. I don't think they are a top 10 team, dot, 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 yet. Hook them with the hook'em emoji and the uh, smiling emoji with sunglasses. CB follows that up. Hope everything's good in Washington this morning, CB. Who is the Bama starter September 9th? Uh, Jake followed that up by saying, I think it's Buckner. I would probably lean Buckner right now, too, just because uh, he went with his offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, from Notre Dame to Alabama. That would give him a leg up on the playbook. But we'll see. Nick Saban's going to have to uh, reveal that at some point. You imagine that's probably going to be game week uh, before game one versus whoever their scrub opponent was that you mentioned a few weeks, uh, a, a few minutes ago, BK. But Buckner does seem to have the inside track on that job. No, no, no love to the uh, blue, wa- uh, not blue waffles. Oh boy, blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee State. There we go, Middle Tennessee State. No, I, I used to, we used to play with them in the college football video game back in the early two thousands. Because they were one of the worst teams in the game. <laughs> so, you, so you build the the uh, program up. Buffalo was another one of those programs that we would do that with. And Wyoming. Those are the three programs that we used to always jump on because they were so bad to try and get them to national championship contenders. You were, uh, you were ready to make the move to the SEC if you're scheduling those kind of cupcake teams on your schedule. 
back in the video game days. That's well done on your part. Yeah, for what it's worth, I'm looking at Phil Steele right now. He's got Tyler Buckner listed as the projected starter for Alabama. Obviously, the magazine doesn't know everything, but reason to believe because of what you just said, the fact that he knows the offense, that he could be the guy. But, yeah, I mean, it, it goes without saying nobody they have in their quarterback room is Bryce Young. No one they have is even close to Bryce Young. We saw Jalen Milrow in that Bama A&M game last year, and the guy's an electric athlete, one-time Texas commit from the state of Texas, phenomenal athlete, but not a great, I don't even know if he's a good thrower of the football, so I don't know if that's going to be the plan for them. Ty Simpson, the stud redshirt freshman, is on campus. Uh, they don't have things figured out, and the fact that, yes, yeah, so late in the offseason, Bama had to go to the portal to bring in a guy who wasn't good at Notre Dame. Not like Buckner was awesome at Notre Dame. No, they went out and got the Sharp Man. Sam Hartman. Yeah. Sharp man is a great nickname for him. I don't know if that one's going to catch on to any of the broadcasts this year. I hope it does. <laughs> is that legal? Uh, I don't know. Can you say Sharp? We can on this show because, you know, it's Texas Sports Unfiltered. But I've said it on the radio in the past and not gotten reprimanded. So, I don't know. After what the uh, Baltimore Orioles guy got suspended for yesterday, then I don't know what the hell we can and can't say anymore. What the hell was that? There has to have been something more going on there because otherwise that is a ridiculous overreaction by the Orioles. Yeah, I agree. We'll have to maybe get into that tomorrow or at some point and, uh, and actually get the audio because that was a freaking joke. I agree 100%. But yeah, I mean, Notre Dame clearly didn't like Buckner and Alabama late in the offseason went to get that guy. So I think that tells you that they didn't feel good about the guys that they already had on campus. Once again, it's still Alabama. I get it. They usually find a way, and Bill O'Brien not being there probably makes their offense better in 2023. But uh, still, major questions at the most important position in the sport, and Texas has the quarterback advantage. They didn't have it last year. We knew how good Bryce Young was last year. He was coming off a Heisman Trophy win, and it was obviously Quinn Ewers' you know, second career start. Now, Ewers held his own. He did a great job before he got hurt. and We ended up having conversations again about what would have happened if a Texas quarterback didn't get hurt against Alabama. But we know for sure Texas has the quarterback advantage this year. They did not have that last year. That's uh, that's something that should give you some confidence that, hey, maybe the Horns have a chance. And let's also remember that Alabama lost its most important player on the defensive side of the two, uh, ball, too, with Will Anderson uh, now being a member of the Houston Texans, a guy that I was arguing in the offseason heading into that NFL draft is the most can't miss guy in the NFL draft. He was a freak of nature, had been just wrecking havoc on opposing offenses for three years at Alabama. And so for him, him to no longer be there, there's obviously a big void there too, but he was pretty quiet against Texas last year. And a lot of that had to do with Kelvin Banks, the true freshman holding his own against one of the top defensive players in college football. Yeah, that's when we knew. I mean, everyone was excited about Kelvin Banks when he flipped the commitment and ended up on the 40 acres. But, yeah, when he was able to hold his own against a guy who ultimately became the third overall pick and the first defensive player off the board in this year's NFL draft, yeah, that told you a few things. I mean, it felt like Will Anderson had like seven offsides in that game. Like he was trying to cheat. That was the only way he could consistently yeah. beat true freshman Kelvin Banks. So, yeah, look, they still have Dallas Turner who might be the first defensive player off the board in next year's draft. Uh, that guy's a stud, and it's still Bama. They've got studs all over the field. But, yeah, you're right. Kelvin Banks, the Texas offensive line, that's where a lot of people started taking notice about that group. And a lot of people started feeling like, okay, maybe the Longhorns have something pretty good up front. And sure enough, they did. And that's one of the main reasons for optimism with this Texas team in 2023 is that all five of those guys 
are back, and you also have depth up front too. BK, we talk about University of Texas stress disorder, a.k.a. UTSD from time to time. Troy uh, just gave me UTSD with this thought on the comments line. Might throw a couple of QBs at Texas. We all know what running QBs do to Texas. Hate to mention Taysom Hill. Well, Troy, you did just mention Taysom Hill, and now I'm going to go cry for a few minutes. I'm not even going to say his name, all right? That dude is Voldemort to me. I will say <laughs> Voldemort's name. I'll say Candyman a bunch of times. I ain't saying that dude's name, dude. I God, I hate that guy. And I'm worried that when Texas and BYU get together this year, somehow, some way, that guy who played college football for, I think, 14 years is going to somehow get another game worth of eligibility so he could go up against Texas. Is that game in Austin? Yes. So he's going to ride his bike from New Orleans all the way over to Austin to take part in that game? It's a shorter trip to Austin than it is to Provo, so he's got a chance to make it there (laughs) coming from NOLA. Oh, my God. So there you go. Texas ranked number 12 in the uh, preseason coaches poll. Too high, too low, just right. We'd love to hear from y'all. And thank you very much for all the support, and thank you all for jumping into the comment section already. It's about you guys, man. We want to make this as fun and entertaining as possible for y'all. And uh, we want to talk about what you guys want to hear. So keep those comments coming. Keep the feedback coming. We always do appreciate it. All right, before we shift gears, Trey, and talk about some of Bucky's epic tweets from uh, the last 72 hours and change, let's give some love to one of our favorites, audio-visual consultations. Our guy Tom McKay has been running the show over at AVC for more than three decades now. These guys do the very best work when it comes to home theater setups, when it comes to home audio setups. If you run a business and you want to spruce up your TV and sound system, they can take care of you just a few weeks away from college football getting here. Of course we are. We're talking about it right now. You've got to reach out to audiovisual consultations and get your TV set up done the right way so you can enjoy all of the football at your home all season. Yeah, right now may be the best time to get that dream home theater set up, BK, because football is obviously right around the corner. And not long after that, uh, hockey and basketball get going. You have the Major League Baseball playoffs, both Texas teams squarely in it right now and hopeful for that playoff spot in baseball and audiovisual consultations does a job that's second to none. That's been the case for 35 years now, not just in homes, but also in businesses as well, as proven by every Pluckers location across the state. Do yourself a favor. Go to avconsultations.com to see all the different services they can provide for you, and then give them a call, 512-255-8678 for audiovisual consultations. That is it. Make the call right now or check out their website. Get everything you need. You will not regret making the call to AV Consultations. Trey and I have made the call a number of times in the past, as has Bucky, as has Kevin, as had Wags. Everyone on this channel has uh, been hooked up by AV Consultations. We have all had fantastic experiences We know you will, too. All right. It's time to uh, share the screen and take a look at some of Bucky Godbolt's tweets from the last few days. If you're looking for Bucky, I'll say it again. He will be back tomorrow. I can't say back. He hasn't been here yet. He (laughs) will make his debut on Texas Sports Unfiltered tomorrow morning from 8 to 10. That is the normal schedule for this thing. Trey and I will be from 12 to 1. But Trey, Bucky, and I will be together from 8 to 10 weekday morning starting tomorrow. And we had mentioned it on yesterday's morning show, but Ricky Williams is going to join you guys tomorrow morning now. 
Yes, thank you very much. It's a great reminder. disappointment to me because I just want to have a conversation with Ricky Williams. <laughs> yeah, now Ricky heard that you were filling in for Bucky again, and he's like, hell no, I'm not going on with that jabroni. <laughs> that guy away from me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, Ricky will be with us during the 9 o'clock hour tomorrow, uh, and Bucky will be here tomorrow, we promise. But, uh, yeah, it's been a whirlwind for the Buck. By the way, follow him on Twitter, at Bucky Godbolt. Uh, yes, the Buck on Twitter is a real, real thing. He's tweeting out stuff for the first time since 2017. And before we get to some of the tweets from the last few days, I want to take things back to one of my favorite tweets ever posted to X.com, formerly known as Twitter.com. If you were a listener to the old radio station that we used to work at, you probably know this tweet, but I'm going to show it anyways. Here we go. This comes from 2017. I can find it. Right after Bucky Godbolt had gotten his knee replacement surgery, he was hopped up on drugs. And you know the great Alex Loeb, of course, of the Longhorn Network, a very good friend of ours. His wife, Yvonne Nava, does tremendous work on television in the city of Austin. They were super kind, and they baked Bucky a cake as a sort of get-well gift for his knee replacement surgery. And Bucky, trying to be the nice guy that Bucky is, uh, wanted to give them some love. And, well, instead of spelling Yvonne Nava's name right, he decided to misspell both her first and last name and (laughs) called her Evan Nova. And the talented Evan Nova, who I think was a pitcher for the Yankees and the Pirates back in the day, baked me a beautiful cake yesterday. It's so good and filled with love. Thanks to her kids. Thanks to her and her kids and Alex. Uh, I had to bring that one back, Trey, because that one damn near makes me cry laughing every time that I see it. How hopped up on opioids was he when he sent that out? I think very. And that was like right after the surgery, maybe the day after he had gotten his knee replaced. And, uh, boy, he decided to log on Twitter. He fired off a couple of tweets, but uh, that was the one that really stood out to me and everyone back then. We're, we're discouraged or we discourage people from drunk, uh, drunk tweeting. Very Nothing ever good ever comes from that. But uh, <laughs> definitely don't do post-surgery <laughs> tweeting either. No, yeah, stay off the internet. We've all seen enough videos of, like, the kid after getting his wisdom teeth taken out. Oh, yeah. Where where he or her is just hopped up on all sorts of drugs. Like, yeah, those make for pretty hilarious videos, and they can make for pretty hilarious tweets. And, uh, no, I'm going to keep encouraging people to hop on the internet after after big-time surgeries and taking painkillers like that because that gives us very good content. That's actually a good call. Just you and I shouldn't be doing that. Yes, yes, for our sakes. Uh, we will get canceled at some point, but hopefully not for something like that. Uh, oh, by the way, a few people have commented. Yeah, Bucky never returned the cake pan that was mm. given to him by Evan Nova. Or Yvonne Nava, whatever. I'm not even sure. No, Yvonne Nava. I am sure that that is her name and that the buck went over to on spelling there. So you gotta return. You gotta return the Tupperware slash cake pan. Come on now. Okay, so what if it was just Tupperware? Like, if it's a cake pan, then one hundred percent. But if you're given something in that plastic Tupperware, are you expected to give it back, or is that like a finder's keeper situation at that point? 
I think you still try to get it back, but you're right. The urgency goes down significantly from cake pan to Tupperware. I would argue that if it is like a Pyrex dish, like one of those glass dishes that is often used for transport, that also necessitates getting it back to the person sooner rather than later. But if it is just a, a cheap piece of Tupperware, then it's not as big of a deal. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Hold on, we have a tweet. Oh my gosh, our buddy CB just sent us this. And we've got Twitter proof from Yvonne Nava herself saying that, yeah, the book never gave back the uh, the cake pan. Let's take a look at this before we get into some of Bucky's recent tweets. So it is true. Bucky, the last day at the Horn ATX, what can I say? You definitely helped us. Kept us all entertained. You're one of a kind, and I can't wait to see where your talents take you next. Hey, your talents take you to Texas Sports Unfiltered. P.S. You still owe me that cake pan. Emoji, <laughs> much love, my friend. Yeah, Bucky's, Bucky's on the hook for that cake pan. So we are calling it a cake pan. I trust Yvonne more than I trust the buck on yeah. uh, on what this thing actually is. So she has every right to be right on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She has every right to uh, to be upset about that. And also, yeah, she could have – Fired one back at Bucky and completely misspelled his name too. But uh, she uh, is too good of a person to do something like that. So shout out to Yvonne Nava for that one. All right, let's get to some of the Bucks' recent tweets. So fire this thing up. Let's get the share screen going again as we try to figure things out here on the YouTube. This is the first tweet that Bucky had sent since 2017. And, well... Here it is. Looking forward to Bucky and BK next Monday morning on YouTube. There will be a place to hear tons of Texas football talk. Obviously, the thing that stands out is Bucky's spelling of YouTube. The guy just can't spell, man. Like He's been alive long enough. The dude just went to his 50-year high school reunion. He shouldn't know how to spell basic words. And the fact that he can't get Yvonne Nava's first or last name right, and the fact that he thought that YouTube is the letter U instead of Y-O-U, this guy's got to figure it out, man. He's running out of time. He's got to get his shit together. I'm glad that's your focus because my focus is Bucky referring to himself in the third person on Twitter. (laughs) I've never heard that from him in real life, but apparently he can't help himself. can't help but to go uh, prima donna wide receiver. When he's talking about himself on Twitter. Yeah, he is a wide receiver, so it makes sense. And, of course, Bucky was not a part of the show on Monday morning, so that's also another thing we could (laughs) criticize with the initial tweet. We're not going to fault him for that, though. This was was put out a week ago, and uh, he didn't know that he would be going through hell in Atlanta over two days. No, we did not. So, uh, yeah, a couple other tweets from the Buck. This is before the travel mishaps, but here he is promoting the – Station a little bit. Look for Texas Sports Unfiltered. You want it, you need it, you damn sure are going to get. You're supposed to say it at the end of the get. But, you know, it could could be worse. That tweet was actually pretty good until he forgot the word it. I know. It was almost perfect. Like, he gave a shout-out. He got the name of the channel right. He spelled it right. And, uh, yeah, he was given a nice little punchline towards the end to try to promote people to subscribe to the channel. and. And he just forgot a a pretty important word at the end of it. Yeah. Here we go. All right, let's get to the travel stuff. Here's another YouTube mishap from Buck. Even though I told him that that's not how it's spelled. might be a bit at this point. 
I don't know. All right, here we go. Here's the first travel story. We've got a few of these to get into from uh, at Bucky Godbolts on X.com. And here's where it all started. So this is, yeah, you see the time, 6.56 yesterday morning. Bucky was supposed to be back in Austin on Sunday, like Sunday morning as well. And instead, he had a layover, which I guess was expected flying from Pennsylvania. He was going through Atlanta uh, to make his way back to Austin. And, well, he got stuck in Atlanta, and this is where it all started. And the shout-out to Delta, calling them so very average in this first tweet, right? Yeah, Delta is on blast with Bucky right now. He is probably never going to fly with them again, even though I, I understand part of it is the airline's fault when you end up getting delayed for a couple of days and them not offering a fully paid-for hotel room night one. Shame on you, Delta. Mm-hmm. Even if you didn't control the weather, you still need to try and uh, exhibit exceptional customer service in a situation like that. But yeah, you have at least lost one customer from the Atlanta debacle these last couple of days. Absolutely. And here's the next tweet from Bucky saying he was excited to be with me this morning, but he starts talking about Allegheny Airlines. Whatever happened to Allegheny Airlines, it had to be better than this shit. And I, Bucky <laughs> called me yesterday and he started talking about Allegheny Airlines. And I'm like, dude, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. But old man Buck at it again, trying to bring back some probably defunct airline right now. I like how he goes quasi British too. these wanks at Delta had me stuck at the airport in Atlanta <laughs> Been here since 1130 Sunday, whatever. happened. To <laughs> I didn't even see that. These wanks. <laughs> Uh, Atlanta, apparently in England now, according to the buck. So that one was great. And then, uh, oh man, yeah, he takes a shot at uh, our former employer with this one and also his former employer with this one saying, (laughs) they didn't offer me shit in Atlanta. I went to sleep like a hobo on a chair at this airport, which is true. He literally spent Sunday night sleeping on a chair at the Atlanta Intercontinental Airport. And, um, he says he felt like he was working at the horn again. Oh, the deep freeze days at the horn, huh? Uh, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, I wish I could say good times, but those were the worst of times. No. Sleeping at fun. your place of work for five days in a row. Never fun. And then finally, the last one from the buck, and I think the grossest one that we've had. I don't know why I gave this thing a heart. This thing was disgusting. Bucky Godbolt. Last night, 8.03 p.m., three days in the same clothes, and the nut cheese is oh. the brewing. No, that's not dirt under my nails. What is it then? Is it the nut cheese? <laughs> I thought that was supposed to stay down there. It, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds like it's supposed to stay down there. <laughs> nut cheese. Gross, dude. I, I am truly confused as to what the dark stuff under his nails is if it's not dirt and he hasn't showered in three days he said he felt like he had to mention nut cheese in the same breath yeah he said he felt like he had to apologize to the people around him at the airport because he hadn't changed clothes or showered in like three days so he said he would put his like head under a shirt like this and it reeked which yeah is understandable when you're spending three straight days at the airport that's that's how it's gonna be oh man the uh the people are 
in top form on the comment line. How about this one real quick, BK from Brooks? This doesn't uh, relate to Bucky's tweets, but this is a freaking awesome comment. All the way back in 2019, I would skip my second period most every day and listen to Midday with Trey and BK. Now I'm a year away from a Rice degree. Parents forget school. Have your kids watch this instead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're the man, Brooks. It doesn't sound like you forgot school, considering you're about to graduate from Rice. Dude, congratulations. That's freaking incredible. But, uh, yeah, we appreciate the love and support, and thank you for the uh, parental advice. That is fantastic. Yeah, congrats, Brooke. Jake is asking if – or Jake is mentioning that today's show is all about bodily excrements. Well, sadly, that's not just today's show. (laughs) Any of our shows involve – Bodily excrements. Yeah, I got a hunch the majority of our shows are going to involve some sort of conversation about bodily excrement. because That's just <laughs> how it worked with us in the past. And well, that's the beauty of being on a channel called Texas Sports Unfiltered is that, yeah, we get to have these unfiltered conversations and say whatever the hell we want, whenever the hell we want. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Follow Bucky on Twitter. Make sure you follow Trey on Twitter as well at Courtesy Wave. Follow his Instagram as well, at Books on Pod. Check out that podcast, too, if you haven't yet. Trey, if you know Trey, he's the best interviewer in the world. He has great conversations on that Books on Pod podcast. Make sure you follow him on Instagram and, of course, subscribe to that wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Brad Kellner. And uh, once again, thanks for your support of this channel. Like this video, subscribe to this channel if you haven't yet. Uh, I'll say that a lot, but uh, I really do appreciate it. All right. Some more love to a sponsor before we get into some more college football realignment conversation, Trey, as we will get back into some sports here in a second. But I got to give some love to my friends at the Altstadt Brewery. Altstadt has been with me from day one. They're like Brooks. I mean, seriously, Altstadt gave me a chance right when I was starting my radio hosting career, and they've stuck with me through all of my years in this industry, and I'm so grateful for that. And their beer is amazing. Like I, I tell them all the time, they don't need me. The beer sells itself. It is the best beer that you can find all throughout the state of Texas. It's brewed in Fredericksburg. Their Altstadt Brewery is ginormous, and it is beautiful. If you're looking for a place to take the family, to take some friends, get out to the Altstadt Brewery. So much fun. They've got live music every weekend. They've got a German-style restaurant. And, of course, you get samples of all of the phenomenal Altstadt brews. Make sure you check that out at altstatbeer.com. And of course, pick up a six-pack of Altstat beer wherever you buy your beer. They've got so many different brews, something for every beer drinker out there. And it's available wherever you shop for beer. H-E-B, Specs, Twin Liquors, Total Wine, wherever you go, you can find Altstat beer. It is the official beer of BK. It should be the official beer of you as well. It's Altstat beer. No impurities, no regrets. BK, because my mom and granddad live in the Kerrville area now, I am traveling through uh, that part of Texas to get there. And look, that stretch between Johnson City and Fredericksburg is just filled with uh, a lot of uh, really good um, alcohol brewing places, let's call them. Most of them wineries. But the, the, the building that Allstat has put up there, where the brewery is, it stands out amongst a, a lot of beautiful architecture in that area. I have not stopped in just yet. I really want to. And I also want to get my hands on that Allstat Rattler that you were talking about yesterday. That sounds delicious. Yeah, when I get back up to Austin, and oh, by the way, I'm moving back up to Austin. I uh, tweeted that out yesterday. I officially announced that this week is going to be my final week here at ESPN Houston. And before football season gets here, I don't have an exact date, but before football season gets here, 
I will be back in the ATX. So when I get back up there, my friend, I will bring you a six-pack of that Altstadt Peach Rattler because it is spectacular, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. We might have to have like a little get-together. I think our friends at the Altstadt Brewery have talked about maybe having a little bit of a bar tab slash party for me coming back to town. So Yo. we'll give you all some details about that because that would be a listener thing too. So uh, definitely keep it locked into Texas Sports Unfiltered for all of the details there. All right, Trey, we had a conversation about college football realignment yesterday. We kind of thought that maybe we were done for a little bit, but college football realignment never sleeps. And Pete Thamel dropped another bomb on all of us yesterday saying that, quote, in the next 24 hours, there's two calls for the ACC to vet and have early exploratory discussions on the potential additions of Cal and Stanford. One is for ACC athletic directors and the other is for leagues, presidents, and chancellors, end quote. So when I think Atlantic Coast, Trey, I definitely think Cal and Stanford. Uh, we knew the Pac-12 was going to fall apart at some point, right? It's the Pac-4 right now. It's Cal, it's Stanford, it's Oregon State, it's Wazoo. That's all they have left. There's no way that conference, if you can even call it that, is going to survive. So everybody assumes that those four schools are going to be picked up by somebody. I never thought it'd be the ACC reaching all the way out to the left coast to try to add a couple of those programs. Perhaps this is just floating an idea and they're not serious about this, but if they are serious about this, this is effectively the beginning of the end of the ACC. This move makes zero sense on a number of different levels, starting with the basic regional proximity that you pointed out, BK. But like, I realize that Stanford and Cal are both good schools in terms of their academics, and they both had their athletic successes also. But you were doing this specifically for football if you were adding these two schools. Do they add enough for the sake of football to make them permanent members and having them constantly traveling across the country and your own schools traveling cross country just to play conference games. This makes zero sense to me. And I've had a lot of faith in Jim Phillips uh, over the years. I actually knew him in a, uh, a very surface sort of way when he was the athletics director at Northwestern. And I was working for WG uh, WG and radio in Chi town back in the day, drink up. Um, but uh, this this is a big misstep by Jim Phillips if he is serious about this. And you will see Florida State and perhaps others accelerate the process of exiting the ACC if they do legitimately try to add Stanford and Cal. But even yeah, if they were to come to a vote, I would imagine that that's, uh, a majority of schools in the ACC would vote this down too, though, because it's just a stupid idea. Yeah, excuse me, Trey. Yeah, there are only two reasons that I can think of that would maybe make this make a little sense. Number one, the ACC can probably get these schools on the cheap because they've got nowhere to go. And number two, they're great academic fits. Like those are the two reasons why it makes sense. We know how good of schools Cal and Stanford are. Every other reason in the world is why Stanford and Cal to the ACC would not make sense. And you laid it out perfectly. And I wonder, like, is this the ACC trying to convince Florida State to stay? Right, We had that uh, Florida State Board of Regents guy last week basically come out and say that it's not a matter of when, uh, if, it's a matter of when FSU bolts the conference. Is this the ACC's plan to try to make sure Florida State's happy bringing in Cal and Stanford? Or is this, hey, we know the writing's on the wall, and we know Florida State and maybe Clemson, maybe Miami, maybe all three are about to leave, and we've got to have some sort of 
contingency plan just in case they do. I, I, I don't know what this is. I don't know why this makes sense. I saw some people saying that, oh, they want to get the San Francisco market. Dude, if you think Cal and Stanford are bringing the Bay Area market, then I've got the Golden Gate Bridge I can sell you, okay? Like, they're not bringing any sort of eyeballs. Those football programs suck. Uh, I know Stanford is very good at the Director's Cup, but once again, their football program sucks. They don't provide much value, if any, in that sport. We know that's the most important sport when it comes to these TV rights contracts that makes all of these conferences and schools a lot of money. So I just, it doesn't make much sense. I get why Cal and Stanford would, I guess, want to go because it, it gives them some money, more than they'd make in the Mountain West. Yeah. But I don't get, like you said, I don't get why the ACC would be super interested in adding those schools that are all the way across the country. It reeks of desperation on the ACC side. And maybe Cal and Stanford did initiate these conversations, but you just said it, BK. The likely landing spot, at least short term, for the four ACC schools that remain, Washington State, Oregon State, and then, of course, Stanford and Cal, is going to be the Mountain West Conference. And that's a pretty big drop-off from where they are going to be this year. But uh, they basically had the rug pulled out from under them uh, over the last month now with the schools not named USC and UCLA announcing their intentions to go elsewhere, either the Big 12 or Big 10. And these four schools, you kind of feel bad for them because they're left in the lurch now and they don't have a whole lot of options short term. The Big 12 has come out and said that they're done. They're not considering the four other Pac-12 schools that remain. You know, the Big 10 is not uh, champing at the bit to try and add those schools. So at that point, they do have to find... Uh, a G5 or one of those second-tier conferences to attach themselves to. And the Mountain West makes the most sense, even though this isn't even a part of most conferences' logic anymore when it comes to adding or subtracting schools, is regional proximity. Yep, our guy Jason agrees with you, and I kind of agree with both of y'all. It would make sense to get a Pac-4 and a Mountain West merger. Look, obviously, that'd be a step down for those four schools going from the Pac-12 to the Mountain West. But uh, it just makes sense geographically. And you're right. I mean, the Big 12, the Big 10, the SEC, they have no interest in any of those programs. I don't know why Cal and Stanford would make sense. Uh, I'm curious what we get out of those phone calls that are going to be had with the ACC athletic directors and the chancellors and university presidents. I wonder what conclusion they come to. I feel like I shouldn't feel this way. Like, I want to say that cooler heads are going to prevail and they're going to realize that this is a decision that just doesn't make a lot of sense. But they might also be desperate, and they might also be so money-hungry that they feel like, hey, just the more schools we can get to make sure that our conference can stick around, the better we are. Maybe that's the decision that's made, but you're right. Making a Mountain West, maybe calling it the Pac-16 to keep the uh, the Pac type of name around, uh, maybe that makes sense. But, yeah, adding, adding Boise State and Utah State and Fresno State and San Jose State, most of those places aren't even fucking states. I don't know how that qualifies. <laughs> adding those schools to a conference with the uh, remnants of the Pac-12, that to me checks out and, and seems like a logical decision for everyone. Yeah, I hadn't even considered that the Mountain West may just join the Pac-12 and call themselves the Pac-12. Boy, that would be a, such an embarrassment for those who are still Pac-12 supporters, for you to see that drastic of a shift in a single year. If you are those Pac-12 schools, I think you say, you know what, guys? We're just going to call ourselves Mountain West Conference going forward. This is not worth it. This is just ripe for just a continual stream of jokes 
at our behest. So we're just going to call ourselves members of the uh, Mountain West Conference going forward. Yeah, that might be the move. So there's the latest. No update yet on uh, what exactly is going to happen. But if you're just joining us, uh, Cal and Stanford getting calls by the ACC. There's a chance that uh, we might have more shakeup with college sports. Real quick, BK, did you see the tweet that Rick Patino had a couple of days ago about realignment? I did not. All right, let me uh, let me read this one verbatim then real quick. All right, Rick Patino at Real Patino on Twitter. Not verified, but it is him. Hmm. Doesn't it make more sense for football to break away to separate leagues and allow the rest of the sports to compete regionally? Rivalries remain in minor sports, and they don't spend half the day looking for bad food at airport restaurants. So what do you think about the idea of college football essentially breaking away from the rest of college sports as its own entity? Because, wow. I mean, there, you would need to work through a lot of issues there, but I think it does make a lot of sense on the surface. Yeah, I mean, a lot of folks have been clamoring for a college football commissioner for years, right? Yeah. I mean, the NCAA has screwed the pooch so many different times when it comes to its handling of college football. And obviously it's been open season over the last few years with stuff like NIL and the transfer portal. And it just feels like there's nobody governing college football at all right now. So um, yeah, I mean, some people thought that the four super conference bit would ultimately lead to a breakaway from the NCAA to where college football would just kind of do its own thing. I don't hate the idea. I really don't. And, and travel cross country travel for college football is not a big deal. We see it in the NFL every week. Like you've got a week to prepare and, you know, plenty of time to get back home to your respective campus. So you can make it happen for one game a week every Saturday for just three months out of the year. It becomes a huge issue when you've got those midweek games and basketball and baseball and softball and uh, tennis, like every other sport, pretty much volleyball. Like that's where the travel becomes a major, major issue. And that's when it really becomes questionable to talk about Cal and Stanford out in Northern California being in the same conference as Miami and Florida State down in the southeast part of the country. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know, Trey, who has to step up and make it happen. But college football is clearly the biggest college sport. If uh, they wanted to break away and do their own thing, there's a chance they could make things better than what they have been in recent years. Yeah, the biggest proponents – to this idea would point out that college football does help to fund pretty much every other sport on a school's campus. And I understand that, but there's probably also a way where you can ensure some version of that is still occurring. I just, you just see how much more money is invested in college football, you know, from the school level to the television level, to the fan level and on down and you realize that, that it is different from even college basketball, even men's and women's college basketball or college baseball or, or softball, which has gained in popularity over these last few years. Like it, it truly is its own entity and probably deserves to be treated as such. Yeah, I think there is very much a way to make the financials work to where, yeah, the money coming into the football program still goes to the rest of the university, right? Like I don't think you have to change too much about that. Now, people are greedy. And certain people will want that money to go in different places. But there is a way where, yeah, college football can technically break away from the NC2A and kind of form its own league and have a commissioner like a pro sport because college football is basically a pro sport now. It really has been for a long time, but we've all learned that over the last few weeks and really few years that you know, college sports very much is or college football is very much a pro sport at this point. So, yeah, there's a way to break away, have a commissioner, operate like a league 
but still make sure the money that is going into the university football programs is still actually going to the university itself. Interesting idea from Rick Pitino. Uh, boy, he's a very creative guy. He always has good ideas, man. Guy never ruffles any feathers with the decisions that he makes. He's always looking out for everyone's best interests. He's an outside-the-box thinker, all right. Yes, indeed, he is. Keep the comments coming. We are live this morning on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Thank you all very much for being here with us today. We really do appreciate it. Interesting thought here from Jake. I can't see Cal and Stanford associating with the schools in the Mountain West. I think they'd rather go independent first. Yeah, uh, that's been spitballed a little bit in recent days. Maybe those two schools, maybe all four schools remaining in the Pac-12 go independent, at least for the foreseeable future, and maybe hope that a better option opens up for them down the road. But uh, look, it's it's been done. We know Notre Dame's been independent forever. They're not the only independent school, though, that uh, that has been around. Hell, BYU was independent for the last couple of years before making the move to the Big 12. So maybe there's a chance that uh, that, that happens as well. It, it definitely makes sense for Stanford and probably Cal also. I would imagine that Oregon State and Washington State are going to have to find a new home, though. Yeah. That will likely be the Mountain West. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right on that. All right. Before we get into what Bobby Petrino had to say in College Station earlier this week, I got to tell you people, yes, you people, about the greatness of Centex tickets. They are your trusted source for tickets to all of your favorite events. If you're looking for tickets to Longhorn Games this season, they've got you covered. What about baseball? Astros tickets, Rangers tickets, they've got those as well. Cowboys and Texans in the NFL, any team, any sport, it does not matter. They've got you covered. And oh, by the way, it's not just sports. How about tickets for Austin City Limits Music Festival, concert tickets, and even Broadway shows? Centex tickets is legit. All of their tickets are 100% guaranteed. Don't deal with the scalpers. Get your tickets when you want them where you want them, and you can all do it from the comfort of your own home right there online. Go check them out at SendTextTickets.com. We appreciate their support of this channel. And while we're at it, I'll give some love to 7-Eleven as well. If you need to cool down this summer, of course you do. It's hot as hell outside. Go get you a Slurpee or a Big Gulp, and why not some snacks as well? 7-Eleven is your go-to convenience store for food, for snacks, for cold and hot beverages, gas, and so much more. Our guy Ish, who runs the show at the 7-Eleven off Monterey Oaks in South Austin, he will take care of you. He's a great dude, a good buddy of ours, and a big Longhorn fan. Go say what's up to him, and definitely go check out 7-Eleven. Also, download the 7-Eleven app and be a part of their 7 Rewards program, so you can earn some free stuff from uh, going in there to 7-Eleven. They've got locations everywhere. You all know this, uh, but go see our buddy Ish. Once again, the Monterey Oaks location in South Austin, get you a Slurpee or 12, get you a Big Gulp or 10, get those nachos with the chili and cheese, get everything at 7-Eleven, the go-to convenience store for all of your summer needs here in Texas. All right, Trey, let's talk some Aggie football, shall we? We're not going to do a ton of this on this show, but hey, we check in on little brother from time to time. We're good older siblings. And, of course, with the impending move to the SEC, it's going to be important to keep track on what AM is doing this season. We talked about him on day one. We talked about the guy, the uh, the grown adult who dresses like a collie, which uh, lends itself to some uh, some weird Aggie sexual fetish stuff, you know? Oh, you wanted to see that again, did you? <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. 
had that on command. I literally saved that video from yesterday just for the chance that you were going to bring that up. And sure enough, you did. The freaking thing just falls over like it was shot. And then he's trying to wait. <laughs> uh, if you missed this story from yesterday, uh, there is a man inside that dog. That sounds weird. There's a man inside that dog costume. And he spent nearly $16,000. that dog. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, the guy spent nearly sixteen k to try to look like a dog. And that's his bit, I guess, is just being a dog in his spare time. That's our official intro to any time we talk A&M sports going forward, by the way. Yeah, it might have to be. It might have to be. So, look, the Aggies are coming off a horrible season, and we all very much enjoyed them struggling the way that they did. Uh, they had huge expectations going into 2022, and they didn't even make a bowl game. Uh, and it was glorious to watch, let's be completely honest. Jimbo Fisher has the ginormous buyout. So, I don't know if AM wanted to fire him after last offseason. I know some Aggie fans did, but the giant buyout that was more than $90 million prevented that from even being a realistic conversation. So Jimbo Fisher is back for another year. He might be back for another few years, right? And I might be stuck with him for a little while because of uh, the ridiculous contract of fully guaranteed money that Jimbo Fisher has right now. But they brought in Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator, right? We all know this. We've seen this as Texas fans. If the head coach starts to struggle a little bit and the seat starts to warm up a little bit, uh, he's got to do something to cool that seat and to try to turn the tide on what's been going on. So Jimbo Fisher, the Aggie offense sucked. Uh, they wanted him to bring in somebody else to help run the offense. And after a wild search that spanned a large percentage of this offseason, the Aggies ended up with another old guy. They're trying to modernize Trey and revolutionize their offense, and they end up bringing in Bobby Petrino to fix things. I found that very hilarious. Yeah, what a what a dumpster fire of a situation just in terms of him being hired away after taking a job at UNLV. And this has only gotten more messy as Jimbo has attempted to address or avoid addressing who's actually going to be calling plays for the 2023 season. So you assume once the media finally had a chance to speak with Bobby Petrino, they might get some clarity as to what that actual answer is. But sadly, or maybe enjoyably, if you are a Longhorn fan like you and I are, that is not the case. Yep, here's how that back and forth went down yesterday. I know it's a collective effort, but will you serve as the primary play caller? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a collective effort. I've been calling the plays out at practice, and, and, and I will do that. Um, but a lot of times, the plays are called throughout the week. So as you game plan and you're in there, you put down your third and shorts and you and you know what you want to do run-wise, you know what you want to do pass-wise, then you practice them, then you go back and rank them. Um, and a lot of times it's like, okay, we get third and one, ball's on the right hash, the call's already made. You know what I'm saying? So you just have to be able to be disciplined to to do what you didn't practice. I think that's when, when I've always like self-scouted myself um, I didn't do it as much on based on what the defense was looking at and what they were doing, but I always did it based on did we call what we did in practice and did we execute what we executed in practice? And if we didn't, why not? What, you know, what, what's the issue there? So um, I want to make sure that we spend time preparing our players and they understand the situations 
and they can rely that they're going to they're going to get the play calls that they worked on and practiced on and got better on during the week. Well, he just puked words all over that microphone, didn't he, BK? That was a minute and eight seconds of utter bullshit coming out of the mouth from Bobby Petrino there. I mean, my God. I want to go John McEnroe and just say, answer the question, the question, jerk. Like, he just did not come close to answering a very basic question about whether or not he was going to be the offense's play caller this year. He instead just rambled, and like you said, word vomited everywhere for almost 70 seconds talking about absolutely nothing of importance. Yeah, I mean, he, he at the very start of that, he said it's a collective effort. I've been calling the plays out at practice, and I will do that. Okay, so I, I mean, that kind of sounds like you're not going to be calling plays during the game. You're stressing the importance of going through these situations and coming up with the plays in practice and them getting called and guys needed to execute during the game it sounds like and this shouldn't surprise anybody that Jimbo is going to be calling plays during the games themselves now how is that going to sit with Bobby Petrino somebody who is also very controlling much like Jimbo Fisher has been throughout his head coaching career probably not going to sit well so if you're an Aggie fan right now you have to be hearing and watching this and uh, there, there needs to be a concern amongst the Aggie fan base that this year is not going to be much better than last season despite the fact that the coaches poll does somehow have them ranked at 25. It's probably Nick Saban giving some love to his own conference and doing whatever he could to make sure an extra SEC team got in there. It, Nick Saban made sure his uh, his media guy had AM ranked third so that they yeah. could be in the top 25. Yep, his, uh, his top 14 teams were the 14 teams in the SEC, believe it or not. Even Vanderbilt made the cut this year. It uh, just means more out there, and I guess that's where we're about to be. So we've got one more year of uh, making jokes at the SEC's expense. But, yeah, I mean, we look, we had some of this as Texas fans with Tom Herman and Tim Beck. There was a little bit of question at times about who was going to call the plays. I think of the Kansas City Chiefs the last few years with the whole Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy thing, and just like they've never really come out clean and said who was actually calling the plays, even though most people sort of knew that it was Andy Reid who had the ultimate – final decision on what the play was going to be. I don't know if AM's ever going to say anything. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised, Trey, if they keep this bit up all season long. And when the TV broadcast cuts to the sideline, you'll probably have both guys talking in the headset. You'll, you'll see Jimbo and you'll see Bobby Petrino both saying some things and they'll just run with the bit that it's a collaborative effort. And, you know, neither guy is the explicit primary play caller, which you're right. I mean, I, for Aggie fans, that means that Jimbo Fisher I would still assume is going to have the final say because he's the head coach. That's usually how it works. And that is that, yeah, that makes me assume that the offense is probably going to be reminiscent of what we saw in 2022. So look, I don't know if 60 plus year old Bobby Petrino in 2023 still has some juice. He was obviously a great offensive mind who had a lot of success back in his heyday, but I sure feel like he would be a better option than running out Jimbo's offense again this season after what we saw last season because that was a freaking disaster. Man. No, that was uh, not good. And they Jimbo, if he truly is self-reflective, should consider allowing somebody else's, not just input because obviously he's getting Bobby Petrino's input now, he should consider letting somebody else work with the flow of offensive play calling on game base. He's not going to do that, though. It's Jimbo. Yeah. CB, just uh, he's been all over the, the chat uh, the comments line today, as we would expect one CB to be. We appreciate Chris Bennett being the unofficial 
associate producer of all of Austin sports media. But CB says, I will never chant SEC. Fuck that shit. Uh, <laughs> question for you based on that, BK. Well, do you think you'll ever find yourself chanting SEC? Because I'm having a hard time envisioning myself doing so, even once we join that conference. I get it. SEC pride. I'm not chanting SEC, SEC. I'd like to think that I won't, but I think at some point in jest, I will. Like if Texas is well, playing. Ironically. Yeah, if Texas is playing, like, let's say Texas and Texas Tech play a game at some point down the road, and Texas beats Texas Tech, and I'm in the building at DKR to watch it happen, then, yeah, I might do a little SEC chant just to poke fun at Texas Tech. So it will never be – I will never be cheering when Alabama or Georgia wins a national championship. I'm not going to be tweeting out congratulations to them and celebrating like it's a big deal that a team in my conference – won the national championship. No. Not a hell with that. I'm not that type of fan. But there's a chance that, yeah, if uh, if Texas, once we're in the SEC, plays somebody in a non-conference game and is beating them and I'm watching their fans leave on the way out, I might throw in that, uh, that mocking SEC chant a time or two. Okay. So you're anti-SEC chant, it's never going to happen with you? I, I just, I think that's, uh, that's brainwashing gone a little bit too far. And as soon as I saw A&M fans doing that, Gosh, I feel like it was their very first year in that conference. I'm like, oh, you are desperate to fit in right now. We're not desperate to fit in. We're going to come into the conference and hopefully be a net positive for the Southeastern Conference. But by the same token, we can have uh, enough self-awareness and pride to understand that chanting SEC over and over again in most situations is pretty pathetic. Yeah, I'm not desperate to fit in. I'm desperate to win. That's all I care about. That's it. Now, yeah. I guess I guess on the flip side, if chanting SEC, SEC repeatedly helps us win games, I would consider doing that. But that's that's some uh, that's some hocus pocus that I'm not going to yep. buy into. Yep, I agree with that. So, yeah, the Aggies averaged 23 points per game last season offensively. Uh, if that happens again, look, AM is is getting close to Texas when it comes to just having money basically growing on trees. I know Jimbo's buyout will still be north of 75 mil after the conclusion of this season, but if the Aggies are missing a bowl game again, which as much as I would enjoy that, I don't expect that to happen. I do think they are going to take a step and uh, win somewhere around eight games maybe yeah. this season. Uh, but if it uh, is another losing season in Aggieland, then they'll, they'll pony up the cash and find a way to get rid of Jimbo, Petrino, everybody there. Am I remembering correctly that they extended Jimbo last offseason? I think it was after 2020 when they okay. had that really good year. They beat Mac Brown in North Carolina in the bowl game, and they ended that's up was. in the top five, I think, in the yeah. uh, postseason poll. I think that's when they came through. Of course, that was perfect timing with you know everyone else getting furloughed or losing their jobs altogether with COVID. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he got a giant extension. He already had a ridiculous contract to start when they hired him away from Florida State. We see it happen all of the time, and Texas has fallen victim to this too. So this is not just a shot at AM. One coach has one good season early in his contract, and the school feels like it's necessary to give him a ginormous extension. And they had a few more years on the back end of the deal, and they give a crap ton of money as well throughout the entirety of the deal. And it feels like, obviously not every time, but it feels like more often than not, the school ends up regretting that. They end up having to pay more to make that coach leave because of it. Yeah, CB says if Jeff Trailer ever gets to AM, look out. You're right about that. Fortunately, that Jimbo Fisher buyout is so big that they have to sit there 
and wait patiently and hope that another big time program doesn't snatch Jeff Trailer away from UTSA because I believe that is on that list of dream schools for him. The Longhorns are on that list as well, but uh, that job is well taken care of right now. But yeah, if AM gets Jeff Trailer, I'm, I'm going to start becoming a little bit more concerned than the Jimbo Fisher era. And David Ozuna has it right on the comments line too. Texas fans should only be chanting Texas and fight. I'm good for that one right now. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll stick with that one. I like that one too. Appreciate the love, all of you guys. Thank you, David. I love how he spelled your name like that instead of. Uh, you know what? If my parents, my parents thankfully did not go T R A Y, that would have been a complete disaster for me when they decided to nickname me Trey. If there was a cooler spelling of Trey than T R E Y, it would have been T R E with that accent. But alas, it's T R E Y. By the way, can we uh, can we finish our A and M conversations whenever we have them with that video too? Can that bookend our A and M chatter? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're gonna scare everyone away on the second day of this channel if we keep playing this. There's the wave. There's the wave. <laughs> this thing was waving right before it dies. Oh my god, that is amazing. Dog tipping going on. <laughs> Over there in Japan. What a story. What a story. All right. Before we shift gears and get to where are we at in society, another shout out to one of our great sponsors. And Trey, you know these guys very well. Relax the back. That back pain you've been dealing with, these guys can make it a thing of the past. Massage chairs, office chairs, recliners, Tempur-Pedic mattresses, basically anything that can help your back get better, they can do that. They're going to get your back back on track. Our guy, Jason Caldwell, he's great people. You're always going to get first-class service when you go in there. They're not going to make you buy the most expensive thing that they have. No, they're going to help you find the product that is going to get your back right once again. I'm telling you, these guys are going to make your life so much better. Trey, you can speak to uh, the greatness of Relax the Back because you've been there a time or two. I have spent so much money at Relax the Back over the years on massage tools. I actually have a Relax the Back chair now. That was won by my brother from the mullet open that I had to pay my brother for. And it is the best place to sit in my entire house. That's why it's in my office where I'm spending a lot of time during the days now. And I'm kind of wishing that I had to relax the back here in Breckenridge, Colorado, because the bed that I've been sleeping on in this multi-million dollar house is causing some problems. So I may have to drive over to Frisco to see if they have a relax the back. If so, I know that they will have whatever it is that I need to uh, get things right. Definitely. Two Austin area locations, one at 183 and 360 next to the Whole Foods, the other down south at the Hill Country Galleria. And they've got stores all over Texas, DFW, Houston, San Antonio. Definitely find a Relax the Back. Check them out online at relaxtheback.com. And our buddy Bucky Godbold is going to need to go to Relax the Back after sleeping on an airport chair the last couple of nights. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It has been rough for him. All right. It is time for an old staple. Something that Trey and I have been doing since the advent of Trey and BK. It is time for Where Are We At in Society. Where are we at in society today? Thank you, Coach Gundy. That is right. It is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, BK, I will present a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, Maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. Perhaps all is not lost, but sadly, today is not that day. And we start 
in the friendly skies today with a simple picture from Reddit. And this plays into a conversation that you and I had on my 1027 ESPN radio show last Friday in our disgust when it comes to the human foot. There's the picture right there. It was taken on a barely boarded flight that is going to last five hours. And some lady in, who is sitting behind this guy has taken her sandals off. I'm assuming she's wearing, wearing sandals or flats or something. And is propping her feet up in between the seat in front of her and the wall of the airplane. Her bare feet are within inches of another human being who is sitting in front of her. This is completely disgusting, BK. And I've seen more of this with air travel recently of people who think that it's okay to walk around an airport airport barefoot, which I have seen, but then also taking their shoes off when they get on the airplane, clipping their toenails. I mean, just doing all sorts of disgusting things, starting with allowing their bare feet to be so close to other human beings who are trying to exhibit some basic level of courtesy to those around them. Oh, first of all, I had to change the tab. I'm not even looking at us anymore because I can't look at this picture of feet. It's disgusting. disgusting. You have actually seen people clipping their toenails on an airplane? Yep. This this was a couple of years ago. This was as people were starting to come out of the the whole COVID hysteria and beginning to fly again. But clearly – that had bo- broken some people's brains because a lot of times the same people who were like clipping their toenails on the airplane were also the last people who were also wearing face masks too. And it's like, look, if that's your bit, if the face mask thing is your bit, great, but have some recognition that what you're doing is pretty freaking gross and a potential detriment to the health of others around you. Like you, you know, this is a have your cake and eat it too situation here you're wearing a mask and clipping your toenails at the same time it's disgusting and unacceptable and there needs to be some sort of public shaming or calling out of people who think it's okay to be completely barefoot in an airport or on an airplane yes i agree and people who are barefoot and doing this on an airplane should be jailed to hell with just public shaming now if you're talking public shaming like what we saw in uh, season one of game of thrones where they have to walk through a city completely naked with people throwing shit at them then okay, that's the type of public shaming I can get down with. But now this woman deserves to be jailed, dude. Like that is brutal. And anyone who cuts their nails, fingernails, toenails, it does not matter. Anyone who's cutting their nails on an airplane should get 25 to life. That is insane. No trash can, just like, just, you know, just cutting their nails and letting the clippings fall all over the floor of the airplane. Oh, here's, here's a... People are going to think that I'm making this up, but I'm dead serious here. You know what they were using as the uh, as the backstop or the catch for their fingernail or for their uh, toenails below them? Barf bag? No, that would have been a good use of the barf barf bag. They were using that magazine that's in the uh, the seat back folder in front of you that everybody flips through at some point during the flight. They were using the front cover of that. So every person who sat in that seat after this disgusting individual was likely going to be touching that person's foot funk if they decided to touch that magazine. Did you say anything to this person? No, I was a row, I was a row back and across the aisle. And so I was just, 
I gave some really, uh, really hard passive aggressive stares at that person, like disgusted stares, but I didn't actually say anything. Normally, I have no problem going Larry David in a situation like that and saying, hey, can you please exhibit like an ounce of common sense here and not do this, please? But I was also horrified. It's one of those things where it takes like you're so taken aback when you see this that you don't even know what to do. Like, how, like if I had been sitting next to this person, I definitely would have said something. But I was just like, is, is somebody else going to say something here? And sadly, nobody did. So this pro- person probably gets on every flight doing something like that. And maybe they're doing it for their own personal amusement. If that's part of it, I'm not saying that I I get it at all, but maybe it makes a little bit more sense if you're just trying to rationalize it. But that's a that's that is a BS reason to do something like that, even if you're doing it for the supposed humor. Nobody is finding it funny around you. Yeah, it's the responsibility of somebody in that row to say something if that's yeah. going on. Like you've got to step up for everybody around you and say, "Dude, stop! Like that's a joke. That's disgusting. We're not doing that here." Well, People have lost their minds with so many different things in terms of what they think is appropriate in the pub in public now. Like, I understand we're at a point with society BK in 2023 where people bring their their dogs to work and everybody loves dogs and that's fine and dandy. But like, can we please stop allowing dogs in so many different public places? I've started to see restaurants and even some coffee shops say your dog cannot come inside. Like, leave your dog outside. I'm sorry if it's upsetting to you that you're going to have to tie your dog up to a railing for a few minutes, but there are people, myself included, who don't necessarily want your dog coming up and sniffing our legs when we're shopping for groceries. And don't give me this emotional support pet BS. <laughs> there are legitimate uh, dogs that are there for medical reasons, people who suffer from seizures and epilepsy and type 2 diabetics and things like that. But for most of you, you're just lazy. And you are imposing yourself and your own lifestyle on others who don't necessarily want to have to deal with that garbage. How did we get to that? I thought we were talking about disgusting feet things. You're dunking on dogs? Because they're, they're, it's a very similar mindset of bringing your dog into a restaurant or coffee shop or grocery store or on an airplane, which, by the way, does happen now with the whole emotional support pet bit. And it's just it's, – it's a it's – a, it's a collective mindset where it's just completely disregarding others to do what you want to do. Oh man. I'm all sick right. of it. And so it, what it do you do? Itself and bare feet on airplanes and also uh, with dogs on leashes at public places where dogs have no business being there. Uh, all right. So last thing on this feet thing, because I'm getting so tired of it. down. Arthur says, yeah, that's probably a good idea. All right. So if somebody just, just for this conversation, if, you're sitting on an airplane, you've got the window seat, and the person behind you is doing what this woman is doing. What do you do? Oh, I turn around and say something. Like, if it, it, if it is aff- affecting me that directly, I will absolutely say something. And I will, the person's probably just going to double down on their ignorance, which is what ignorant people do, discourteous people do. It happens on the road all the time. So she would probably just scoff at that and not move her feet. And then I would have to get uh, one of the uh, one of the airplane uh, cocktail waitresses involved and call a flight attendant over to say, hey, can you please tell this person to get their bare feet away from me? This is disgusting. Yeah. A couple of Rex Ryan comments coming. <laughs> Greg, yeah, that's a first-class seat for Rex Ryan. True. He would love that. He'd be massaging those feet throughout the entirety of the flight. Hopier says it's almost as bad as Bucky's butt cheese. 
not as bad as Bucky's butt cheese, but it's close. What would you do in that situation? Uh, same thing as you. I'm turning around and saying, please don't do this. We're not doing this. And if they said no, then if they kept trying to put their feet up there, I would just give the bow to the feet to knock them off over and over again for as long as it took. Oh, and, but then you have to touch her. Maybe you're wearing long sleeves that day, but then you have to potentially touch her, the skin of your elbow to that person's foot. Now nah, I'm using the uh, toenail clipping magazine to do it. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to make sky mall even more disgusting. There's going to be toenail clippings and woman's foot on that for whoever has to look at it next. I'm paying it forward. I think that's what we call that. Trey. Oh gosh. Do you call them cocktail waitresses too? I don't, I don't think that's the, uh, proper term for that one my friend. yeah airplane cocktail waitresses that's essentially what they are they give you a simple beverage and they come around and pick up the trash afterwards maybe throw a bag of peanuts your way yeah that's uh i guess better than bucky calling male flight attendants manservants that's uh that's been his bit for a number of years so i guess cocktail waitresses is better than manservants but yeah, I still don't uh, think they love being called either of those things, man. Look, there there are uh, elements of our day-to-day life that are also a part of the airline experience. And the flight attendants who are helping you out, they are glorified cocktail waitresses. That bathroom that you go into, well, that's just a porta pot in the sky, BK. It's why I've never understood people who are braggadocious about the Mile High Club. I guess if you're on a private flight and you have that privacy, maybe it makes sense there. But somebody who's attempting to join the Mile High Club on a commercial airline, like you're trying to figure out how to make that happen in one of those nasty airplane porta pots, that is vile. Like that's that's the last thing on my mind when I have to step into one of those things. Just at me next time, all right? Like that's my life goal. So you know, just. Criticize me. Don't uh, make it a generalization. Just say, BK, why is that something you want to do? Because that is something that I very much want to do. Oh, it is. Yeah, hell yeah. Sounds awesome. What is the the physics of making that happen? Because that's not a big space there. So how are you actually making that happen? I'll tell you what. When it does happen, and I'm saying when, not if, because I like my chances, I will come on the show the next day and let you know exactly how we got it done. Oh, you'll come on the show next day. I see what you did there. Yeah, good catch. Yeah, and I hope, uh, hopefully that'll be done on the, yeah, you know, you know, maybe the day before. Uh, so you yeah, have a goal of making that happen on like a Southwest Airlines flight. Yeah, I'd prefer it happening like at the seat, you know, under a blanket or something, because that's a little more sanitary. But, you know. Oh, you're talking about hand steam then. I'm talking about the the actual act. Oh, I was I was more talking third base i guess but uh yeah also the actual act yeah okay you got to be in a private room for something like that where else do you go do you go to the cargo uh, spot underneath the passengers you go where all the suitcases are how do you get down there it's going to be more sanitary than the porta pot in the sky that you're normally going to the bathroom in you might also die because isn't the oxygen level down there incredibly low it's not good yeah so we'll stick to the Flying porta pot, I guess. There's actually a story that I did on the uh, the radio show. Where are we at? This would have been within the last week or so. That there are airlines who now offer for thousands of dollars people to go up in a private airplane and you spend two hours in the sky and there's like a bed set up in the back and you can lock the pilot out from the uh, the cabin part that you're in and actually do the deed if you want to. Mm. So there's a feasible way for you to try and pull that off versus trying to squeeze two people in one of those 
airplane bathrooms. Yeah. I've always wondered how you do that without anyone catching y'all walk in together. I guess one person has to go in first, be in there for a little bit, and then unlock the door while the next person's waiting outside and just hope that nobody sees that nobody else walked out after the other person walked in. I don't know why I've thought so much about this for somebody who is so disgusted by it, but I think that the way to go here, if you want to try and pull this off is the two of you sit in the very last, uh, the very back row of the mm. airplane. And so it's easier to both sneak into that space. Smart. You're thinking ahead right there. It's well yeah. done. Well done. All right. That's going to do it for where are we at in society today. I had a uh, second story, a Taco Bell story, but we're going to hold off on that one until tomorrow, BK. Yes, indeed. And that will be in our normal spot, middays from 12 to 1. Bucky Godbolt will be back tomorrow morning from 8 to 10. So uh, if you want to catch his debut on Texas Sports Unfiltered, well, number one, make sure you're subscribed to this channel. And number two, be ready to roll at uh, 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. The Bucks going to have some incredible stories to talk about from his 50-year high school reunion and also his nightmarish travel experience that he's had getting back home from said 50-year high school reunion. Uh, we'll get to some Texas football conversation. We'll talk about a nickname that was given out by one Texas player to another that I think has a lot of Longhorn fans pretty excited, and rightfully so. Uh, we'll do that in a little bit. But once again, some love to one of our sponsors, Top Gun Lawn and Equipment Rentals. Go see our friends at Top Gun help you tackle any job that you may have. They offer an extensive selection of rental equipment for everything. Small home projects, large construction jobs, whatever. They've got you covered. And they have all of the biggest brands like Steel, Toro, Hustler, Walker, DeWalt, and so much more. They are Austin's number one source for all of your equipment rentals, sales, and supplies. And it's been that way since 1996. Our guy, Brandon Mars, really, really good dude. I've caught up with him a couple of times on the phone over the last week or so. Fantastic person, hilarious, big sports fan, and he will take care of you. They've got two Austin area locations, one in Anderson Square up north, the other on South First Street down south. Check them out online as well at topgun.net. They will shoot. Straight. Yeah, Brandon is on that list of uh, some of my favorite people that we've had the opportunity to meet over the years through our uh, radio careers and now through this little venture. He's a huge Longhorn fan as well. And yeah, if you ever have a chance, share a beer and or a shot with Brandon. You will not regret it. Absolutely. All right, we'll save the uh, DKR memory for the last segment of today's program, Trey, because one of our favorite moments in the history of Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium uh, has, has relevancy today. And there's a reason why we're going to talk about it. And we'll give you some of those details and we'll also uh, have some video that we think you guys will enjoy watching here coming up in uh, maybe 10 to 15 minutes. But for right now... Top five moment in DKR history. You're going top five? Top five. Okay, there's your yeah. tease right there. So stay tuned to uh, be a part of things as we relive one of Trey's favorite moments in the history of DKR. But hey, we've got uh, some good news with the Texas football program. Look, fall camp continues to roll along on the 40 acres, and we've got a number of position battles shaping up at Texas practice. And, of course, for a lot of the freshmen, well, it's their first time to be a part of Texas fall camp. And they uh, are making waves. They're trying to make an impact on the other guys in the locker room. And we see it every year, but we're seeing it already this year, Trey. Some freshmen are already starting to turn heads with not only people who cover the Longhorns and not only fans of the Longhorns, but also with some of the players in that Texas locker room. And, look, seniors giving freshmen nicknames, that's an age-old tradition. There's nothing new here. But high praise 
coming from senior offensive lineman Christian Jones, who, by the way, that guy looks non-human. I mean, it is ridiculous how big Christian Jones has become, and not in a bad way. Like, he is just big and built, and he's coming off his most productive year as a Texas offensive lineman. Reason to believe that he could follow that up with an even better year, Trey. Underestimated aspect of this 2023 Texas football roster is the return of Christian Jones, who even after his uh, really solid 2022 season, a lot of people were indifferent or asking questions about him coming back for another year. No, this guy is legit. Not only has he uh, figured out his developmental path, but he's also super sharp and a good kid to boot, too. I, I cannot wait to see uh, what this offensive line looks like, in part because the tackles are going to be so good this season. Yeah, Christian Jones listed at 6'6", 322. He oh, looked God. like 6'10", 350 in uh, some of the pictures that have been posted over the last few days. He he will be earning an NFL paycheck after this season, too. That He is that good. Yep, agreed, 100%. Well, he's a team leader on this team. He's a returning starter. He's done a lot of good things during his time in Austin, and he's given high praise to Colton Vasek, who, according to Christian Jones, is Baby Bosa. That's the nickname that Christian Jones has given to Colton Vasek. He said, quote, it's Vasek's body type. You can just see how in the future the weight program could definitely beef him up. He already has the frame for it, so he's got to keep working. Of course, you know that nickname comes with high expectations. We know who Christian Jones is referring to, talking about Nick and Joey Bosa, who have a combined seven Pro Bowl appearances in the NFL. Uh, Nick was the defensive player of the year this past season in the NFL. Both of those guys, obviously tremendous college players who turned into top five picks in the NFL and they have both had tremendous NFL careers as well. I will say this to Christian Jones. Baby Bosa is already taken. Like, Nick Bosa is Baby Bosa. Hmm. You know, Joey Bosa is the older brother. So we might have to work on a, a new nickname for Colton Vasek, but I obviously love that you're getting that type of comparison. Do I expect Vasek to be anything close to those guys? Uh, maybe not, but, hey, that's high praise, the fact that he's been able to come in here in his first fall camp and uh, make people – impressed with what he's been able to accomplish so far. Yeah, I expect him to make his mark on the Longhorns before it's all said and done. And it's also great to see that his former Westlake teammate, current Longhorns teammate, Ethan Burke, is really turning heads and has uh, his fellow players and the defensive coaching staff confident that the pass rush is going to be much better for a lot of reasons, but specifically because Ethan Burke has put on the right sort of weight this offseason, and it is uh, really beginning to click for him at that at one of those edge spots. Yeah, agreed. And I'm excited that Vasek is here. He was one time committed to Oklahoma, ended yep. up flipping the commitment relatively late in the recruiting cycle, and he's here at Texas, a top 100 player overall, I think a top 10 to 15 edge rusher in this year's class. Getting him to stay home is absolutely massive, and yeah, there's that opportunity, kind of like you talked about. You know, we're trying to figure out who is going to be the edge rusher opposite Baron Sorrell. Right? Like, it feels like that guy did enough last year to where, okay, you could just give one of the edge positions to him, no question about it. But who is that other edge rusher going to be for this Texas defense? I mean, Ovia Gofu, no longer with the program. I don't know if he did enough the last couple of years to where he would have been guaranteed a starting spot anyways, but obviously he departs. I don't know how that guy still has college eligibility, but somehow, some way he does, and he's at LSU for this season. So, uh, Justice Finkley, a guy coming back. I know a lot of high hope and expectations for him. He will be in that conversation as well. 
but it feels like there's an opportunity there for really anybody to step up. We know how that position works. It's going to be a rotation, so you'll see a number of different guys out there on the field when we get to game days, but it sure feels like there's an opportunity for really anybody, if they can have a good fall camp, to earn their way to that top spot on the depth chart. No doubt about that, and the good thing for the Longhorns, not just at that uh, that rush edge position, but really across the defensive line, is they do have uh, pretty solid depth across the defensive line, too. How about Alfred Collins getting some love from Steve Sarkeesian yesterday? He seems to uh, at least be turning heads in camp right now. I know he's bounced around positions here and there through his first three years on campus. It's uh, getting to, getting close to now or never time for Alfred Collins, a guy who had loads of potential coming out of uh, high school in the Central Texas area. And uh, he's had moments where he's looked the part, but not consistently enough. So you would love to see him be able to tie all of that together this year. But the fact that he has Vernon Broughton next to him and obviously Devondre Sweat, who is still the hardest guy to block on that defensive line, if Alfred Collins can uh, can provide some more consistency, watch out. Because it just means that uh, there's not going to be any drop-off and level of play from those first to second guys as uh, as Pete Kwiatkowski and his defensive coaches are looking to, uh, to rotate those dudes in and out at a, a high frequency. It's crazy that Alfred Collins is already a senior. Right. I mean, I was so pumped when Texas was able to land his commitment and ultimately yeah. get him to sign. And you're right. The expectations were sky high for him coming out of the Bastrop area, but it just hasn't clicked. And as of now, obviously, this is subject to change. And we all hope that it does. As of now, Alfred Collins is just next in line of five star players who just haven't lived up to the hype at the University yeah. of Texas. And unfortunately, over the last 12 years, we've seen way too much of that. Now, Texas isn't the only school that has that problem, but. It sure feels like that problem has been bigger at Texas than it has been anywhere else. So, yeah, make or break time for Alfred Collins. We know what he's supposed to be capable of. And because of his size and skill set, there's a chance that, okay, if he puts it together, he can end up being a decently high draft pick in next April's NFL draft. But obviously, to this point, he hasn't even come close to entering that conversation because he just hasn't put it together at all. But uh, you're right. I mean, this defensive line should be one of the strengths of this team. They are still trying to figure out that second edge position, so that is a question mark right now. But they've got some talented guys there. They've got some options there. And you feel like, okay, whoever wins that job and also whoever is a part of that rotation can be productive enough to where you feel like Texas can get a pretty consistent semblance of a pass rush throughout this season. Yeah, you talk about the uh, interior of that defensive line. I don't know if you mentioned Byron Murphy yet, but that's another guy who is coming off of a very, very good season, who put a lot of people on notice with his play in 2022. Uh, Yeah, that one-two punch of he and Tavondre Sweat on the interior of that defensive line with Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton uh, waiting in the wings to back those dudes up. Like, that's special. There aren't a lot of teams in the country who have an interior defensive line that looks like Texas does with talent and experience. That group should be pretty damn good. That should help Texas a lot at stuffing the run and also provide a good pass rush, too. And we can't forget about Trill Carter either, uh, the transfer from Minnesota who was, I forget if he was all Big Ten last year, but he was up there. He was on those lists. I mean, he is uh, another guy who, he's not just a depth guy on the interior. Here's He is somebody who has proven the ability to be very productive on his own. So his addition is one that's probably being slept on just a little bit right now because it was a later in the offseason addition. But uh, I look forward to watching what uh, he can take care of uh, wearing number 98 for the Longhorns this upcoming year. It's an all-time great name. Even if the guy sucked, we'd still be talking about him on this channel. Trill Carter. Yeah. That is fantastic. 
That is fantastic. And you're right. Yeah, he started all 13 games for Minnesota last year and was relatively productive, too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this defensive line, once again, should be a strength of this Texas defense. The Longhorn defense, obviously much better in year two of the Pete Kwiatkowski era than it was in year one. Uh, no Gary Patterson, maybe, this year. There have been some reports and rumblings that maybe he will be back with this Texas coaching staff in some form or fashion, probably not in the same role that he had last year. But I heard some talks that maybe, just maybe, GP will be a part of things this year. But the, as of now, he's not. And we'll see if Pete Kwiatkowski's defense can mirror kind of what it looked like last year when Gary Patterson was in the fold because it was not very good in year one back in 20. It just depends on if it uh, cuts into his ability to maintain that acoustic set at the Iron Cactus on Tuesday nights. <laughs> He's still making music, huh? I would assume so. Oh, he, was, he was telling anybody who would listen his last couple of years at TCU that that was his biggest passion. Yep. It's like, yeah. is that your biggest passion, Gary? Because you're, uh, you're getting paid a lot of money to coach your football team and not doing a very good job of it right now. Yeah, maybe those last couple of years it was apparent that yeah, his mind was elsewhere instead yeah. of uh, – in Fort Worth, but hey, he deserves a lot of credit for what he did at Texas. He deserves a lot of credit for what he did at TCU. Obviously, Sonny Dykes in Fort Worth for a reason. Yeah, like Sonny Dykes put it all together last year, but most of those players were recruited by Gary Patterson. So he put a lot of that roster together that made it all the way to the national championship game. And you're right, he's got the statue. Uh, the job that he did up there was incredible. And it was great having him at Texas. I never thought I'd see the day because that guy freaking hated Texas. <laughs> throughout his time in Fort Worth. Never thought he would uh, come and be a part of the coaching staff, but he was, and he made an impact. So, yeah, if he's not here, hopefully that defense can, once again, look uh, like it did last year because it was significantly better than what it was in year one of the Sark era. He definitely made an impact, and I actually saw him at a basketball game or two when we went to basketball games. He was sitting courtside. I do have to admit, though, that I never got used to seeing Gary Patterson wearing UT gear. As a matter of fact, every time I saw it, it made me want to vomit. Did he uh, Did he change shirts at halftime of the basketball games too? Or is that only when he's coaching where he has to do that? <laughs> I didn't pay that close of attention, but it wouldn't surprise me either way. And were the pants falling down while he was sitting? Is that possible for someone's pants to fall down while they're sitting, or did he only have to uh, – lift the belt and the pants up when he was standing up. Thankfully, I did not have the angle to see whether or not Gary's plumber's crack was making an appearance at those basketball games. Mm. Again, I wouldn't be surprised either way. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Oh, man. All right, so there's some good conversation about the Texas defensive line. Really excited about this group, man. A lot of returning starters, a lot of talent, a lot of depth. Something that we haven't been able to talk about. And Trey, I think you and I are in the same boat, but anybody who's listened to me for years knows about my thoughts on the offensive and defensive lines. I mean, that's where games are won and lost. Every level of football, peewee, high school, college, NFL, it doesn't matter. You've got to be able to win in the trenches. Everybody has talked about the quarterback inconsistencies that Texas has had since Colt McCoy left. And obviously those conversations are fair. Uh, quarterback's the most important position in the sport. If you don't have that right, you're not going to have much of a chance. But also, if you don't have the offensive line right, you're not going to have much of a chance. If you don't have the defensive line right, you're not going to have much of a chance. It sure feels like Texas has both of those position groups right. Uh, credit to Steve Sarkeesian for putting an emphasis on building on the lines of scrimmage because I think you see it on paper, and I think we saw it at times on the field last year as well. You and Kevin talked about it yesterday on the Midday Show, and Kevin pointed out that – 
Mac Brown started to do a really poor job of recruiting the offensive line around 2007. And you see how long it has taken to really get things back to good. We've had moments where the offensive line, the starting five, is doing an admirable to good job. I would argue that the offensive line was good the year that Deontay Foreman rushed for 2,000 yards, but that was a rarity. I mean, there have been a lot of struggles since then, including in that national championship runner-up season where the offensive line uh, unfortunately was not very good for that team. And uh, perhaps that's made a difference in Colt McCoy getting hurt and Alabama ultimately winning that game. But you're right. It does feel like Steve Sarkeesian and Flood and the rest of these offensive coaches and the defensive coaches too when you're talking about the defensive line have really uh, identified the types of players that they need to go after to ensure that they not only have dudes who can play immediately if need be in the rare situation where you're having to rely on a true freshman, which they've had to do so these last couple of years. I mean, they had two true freshmen starting last year. Not ideal, but both those guys more than held their own. But more importantly, you're able to find guys who project to put on the right sort of weight and are showing certain positive qualities that lends itself to development over the course of two to three years when you're not not relying on those guys as much to play serious reps in their first or second year on campus. And I'm I'm really encouraged. Uh, The defensive line's not as big of a deal. We've seen good Texas defensive lines over the last 15 years now, but obviously you need good defensive line play for anything else to work out. Uh, The offensive line really does seem to be taking that turn, though, and I think that's a big reason why you, me, and a lot of other people are expressing the optimism that we are is that because, yeah, Texas does have the skill guys this year, but they also have the dudes up front who know what they need to do and are pretty versatile in in terms of their ability to open holes for running backs, but also protect the quarterback as well. Yep. The only way to make those skill guys look like skill guys is to give them time to do their thing. And that requires a really good offensive line. And our guy CB, I swear he can read minds because I was trying to think, and I was about to ask you when the last time, uh, when was the last time that Texas had an offensive lineman selected in the first round of the NFL draft? You got to go all the way back to 2002. That's wild. Two decades now that the University of Texas, oh, by the way, they've won a national championship and played for another national championship in that time frame. You got to go all the way back to 02, the last time that Texas had an offensive lineman in the first round. Yeah, I think we all feel like Kelvin Banks is on that track if he plays as well as he did last year. Hell, it's crazy to think that he could even get better than what he was last year, then, yeah, he will uh, end up breaking that curse. But it is insane. I mean, Texas hadn't had an offensive player drafted in the first round since Vince Young before Bijan finally got the call back in April. So uh, a lot of things that you could point to that have kind of shown the demise of this program over the last 10, 12 years. Yeah, they've got to get the offensive and defensive lines right. But I agree, the offensive line has been a bigger issue for uh, for the Longhorns in recent years. No question. Yeah. David asked if Connor Williams was a first round pick. No, Connor Williams, I was thinking third round. Uh, CB is saying Connor Williams was a second round pick. So Connor Williams got close. Sam Cosme got close, but they were not first round picks. And it has been an embarrassing 23 years since a Texas Longhorn offensive line was taken in the first round. It was Mike Williams by the Buffalo Bills. Mm. Embarrassing. It's a great way to describe it. Hey, quick shout out to our guy, Justin. Occupy left field supporting Texas baseball. We'll see you out there this spring, brother. Can't wait for another Longhorn baseball season coming up. You know what, BK? I am going to make a promise to the Occupy left field people, not that they care to have my uh, participation. I am going to promise 
this baseball season, I am going to consider going out to left field to hang out for a game. You promised that you're going to consider going out there. Did I hear yes. that right? Yes. Wow, what a generous offer by you. Just to consider going out there. You're not going to promise that you are going to go out there. You're just letting people know that you will consider making your way out to left field and gracing them with their presence. Well, that's like six plus months off. I can't predict what things are going to look like in six months, but I promise that I will give it strong consideration. They've got so many home games. You'll have so many options. You're not going to be busy for every single one of them. Make a promise that you're going. I just, I did, I don't know where the evenings are going to be taking me just yet, but as we get closer to that time, I'm going to make a concerted effort to at least have left field as one of my options on a given night. They play day games too, brother. Okay. You can't just make the night excuse and say you're going to be busy every single night from like March to June. And they play day games as well. They'll take you during the day too. Yeah. Eric with the comment. I bet that means a lot to left field. Yeah. Very generous. It means zero. It may be a net negative for them. That's why I'm not going to give my full, my full fledged pledge to left field because that'll probably be the the lowest attended left field game in the history of that organization. Yeah, pick the wrong date. Like tell people you're going the day before or the day (laughs) after you actually go, so uh, they actually do get a big turnout because the day you promise you'll be there is, uh, like you said, going to be the least attended day of the season. Jake says DJ Campbell is going to make it two in 2025. DJ Campbell is a part of a group of three guys that may very well be first round picks if they reach their college potential. Obviously, Kelvin Banks is that first guy. DJ Campbell, too, if he can continue to develop. And then also, and we haven't really uh, seen this dude yet. And oh my goodness, his name is escaping me. Cam Williams, the offensive line out of Duncanville. He's not being relied upon for serious snaps just yet, but he is a monster of a man. And if he can figure it out and have and be carrying the right sort of weight too, because that's always been a concern for him is putting on the wrong sort of weight for a dude who is already massive. Then he has a potential to be a third first round draft pick from that offensive line for the Texas Longhorns. DJ Campbell and uh, Cam Williams are more long shots, obviously than, than Kelvin Banks is, but they do have the potential there too. It is so glorious that we're talking about depth on the offensive line because there have been a lot of years recently where Texas has not had five offensive linemen that we felt good about. There have been years where Texas has not had three offensive linemen that we felt good about. And now you feel like you could make a case for seven or eight of these guys, maybe even more if you really wanted to, who could be starters on a lot of programs across the country. You obviously don't want any injuries, and I'll knock on wood to do my part to prevent that. But it's good to know that if something does happen, you've got guys waiting in the wings and there won't be a tremendous drop-off if one of the starters does go down. That is huge. Okay, All right. the likelihood that I end up going to left field this coming season has just increased dramatically because Justin said he'll hit the beach volleyball with me. At left field? In left field, yes. Nobody wants that. Come on. Save your volleyball for Gregory Jim, dude. Don't be doing that at the dish. Justin knows how to play to his one-person audience. He gets that uh, <laughs> mentioning beach volleyball to me. It, it perks my ears up and has me more likely to participate. You're going to end up decking Mark Pena's kid in the head with that beach volleyball, and you're never going to be invited back, which maybe that's your goal in the first place. No, I do not want I don't want anything bad to happen to Mark's kid. Mark is, uh, <laughs> Mark is as important as anybody in left field. So I'm, I'm going to yep. be protecting that kid. That's my assurance. 
in the possibility that I end up at Occupy Left Field this season. Yes, because you've promised that you will consider making an appearance in 2024. How generous. All right, before we get to uh, one of Trey's top five moments in DKR history, uh, another shout-out to one of our great sponsors, Woods Comfort Systems. It is hot as hell outside. You don't need me to tell you that. If your AC inside is not working, you got to call our friends at Woods Comfort Systems. They've been doing this for 60 years, providing top-quality HVAC and plumbing services. They are dedicated to keeping you and your family comfortable in every season. AC maintenance, repair, and installation. They do duct work. They do attic insulation. And they also have plumbing services as well. Their goal has always been to provide exceptional HVAC and plumbing services all throughout Central Texas. If something is up with your AC, you've got to give them a shout. 512-842-5066 or check them out online at woodscomfortsystems.com. Woods Comfort Systems, where comfort is our middle name. All right, Trey, let's uh, take a trip down memory lane, shall we? This is something that you've coined one of your five favorite moments in the history of Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stage. Before we get to this one, yes, can I just ask you for some of your favorite moments? Because there are a few others that come to mind for me that are very much probably top three moments, but certainly top five moments. Mm. Beginning with Ricky's record-breaking run against A&M back in the, on Thanksgiving of 2008. That was a hell of a moment. 2008? I'm sorry, 1998. Wow, 2008. <laughs> I was oh, like, man. 1998. That was, I was in the stands for that one, even though I was in the north end zone, so he was running away from where we were. That was an incredible moment for me, and that's probably yeah. my number one. If you guys want to comment your favorite moments at DKR, we'd love to hear from y'all because I'm sure we're going to forget the couple. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I mean, most of my time in Austin was during the worst years of Texas football that we've had in a long time. Like, I, I honestly think my favorite moment at a Texas football game was the double overtime win over Notre Dame. And that's, we know that that game – moment for me too. I mean, that game ended up not meaning jack shit because yeah. Texas sucked that year and Notre Dame sucked even more that year. But at the time, it was awesome, right? That standalone game, Labor Day weekend, top 10 Notre Dame coming to town. They were coming off of a great season, and Texas was coming off of a horrible season. And just to get that win in that fashion, I mean, that was a thriller, and the place was going nuts. Like, that was special. Obviously, we, we realized relatively quickly that neither team was that good that season, but I try to not let it take away from that experience because that was one of the best nights in my freaking life. Look, I am with you there. I i don't know how many games I've been at at DKL over the years. Too many to count. That is, without question, one of my favorite moments in the history of that stadium. So yep. even though that was that when ended up not mattering a whole lot, because you're right, it didn't. It sucked. I mean, remember the the quarterback battle in, in, uh, for Texas that fall camp with Shane Bouchelle and Tyrone Swoops and Bouchelle ending up being the starter, but Tyrone Swoops getting that heroic moment at the very end with the uh, the 18-wheeler package, that was still a lot of fun and extremely loud. There are people who are going to mention, and I know if Kevin Dunn was in on this conversation, he would mention the, uh, the 1990 U of H game as <laughs> the best moment in DKR history, and uh, there are a lot of people who would agree with him on that. I wasn't at that game, though, so I can't speak to that one. But th those are probably the two biggest that come to mind to me right now. I can speak to this. My favorite memory was waiting hours to get in when I had the big ticket. Yeah, that's uh, that's a thing mm. that has been a problem at time. 
uh, at times at DKR over the last few years. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people would have said Bama last year if Texas found a way to hold on at the very end. I, I didn't go to that game. I had a ticket waiting for me, but I had gotten COVID the day before, back when COVID was still a thing. COVID. And it wasn't like, uh, ah, you know, mild symptoms. It was like, no, nah, I felt like shit, and there was just no way I was going to make it. And I also got invited by, like, one of my dad's friends who was in his 60s, and I'm like, I, I can't do this to this guy, and I also can't be in a mask in 145-degree heat oh. in the middle of Austin because apparently that was also, like, the hottest game at DKR, too. I've never – first of all, those are the best seats that I've ever sat in at DKR. It was, like, thanks to my mom's friend, it was, like, 50-yard line, 40 rows up. It was incredible, but you were right. It was, I was sweating from my forearms. I was so hot during that game, but it was a lot of fun too. Like in terms of uh, most fun losses, that game is definitely up there. That 96 Notre Dame game where uh, Westbrook laid out the uh, Notre Dame running back, even though Texas lost that game, that game was a ton of fun too. People are mentioning that 2008 uh, Texas USC game. That game was a blast. I agree. That is, uh, that's up there for the memories but uh, the next example, BK, that we actually have video of does fall squarely in my top five, too. And it has very little to do with anything happening on the field of play. We go back to 2012 when the Baylor Bears were in town taking on the Longhorns at DKR. And, uh, oh, yeah, let's take you on a very aesthetically pleasing trip down memory lane. We're lead now for Texas. Among those in the huge crowd, the actress Natalie Portman filming a movie here in Austin. You can see shooting some scenes, we are told, here tonight. Is that the actor? I don't know. Danny Bonaducci. I don't know who he is, but he's a lucky fellow, I can tell you that. <laughs> Nick Rose kicks off. Antoine Goodley brings it out. Up the numbers to the 21-yard line. Duke Thomas made another tackle. Apparently, Natalie is a Texas fan. See if Texas can adjust now. Again, you can't panic. And First of all, the amount of disrespect dished out to Michael Fassbender, who is the actor standing next to uh, Natalie Portman, should not go unnoticed there. The fact that the color guy called him Danny Bonaducci. I don't know who the color guy was, but that was a bad take there. Who the hell is the actor? I've never heard of that guy. Michael Fassbender, he's a good actor. Fassbender, airbender, waterbender. Who the hell is that? That's not a real person. It truly doesn't matter because the uh, the real reason why that was a top five moment is is Natalie Portman. Yeah, Just Natalie Portman and looking around at a uh, what looked like a pretty entertaining Texas Baylor game. I don't even remember the game itself, but Texas is winning forty nine to forty at the time. They ultimately do win the game too. So not only did Longhorn fans have an opportunity to uh, cheer their team on to victory, Natalie Portman was. Uh, was a part of the crowd that night, too. And looking very good Oof. as well. And the reason why we're bringing this up, BK, is because she's apparently back on the open market. Yeah, apparently. Uh, yeah, her, her husband yeah. and her are getting divorced. So uh, good luck to all you single guys out there and uh, landing a date with Natalie Portman. You're on that list, BK. Think I've got a shot? Uh, look, I don't know. Maybe she's uh, Maybe she's up for some... Maybe she's up for some hands team, some old-fashioned action in a uh, commercial airline. Or maybe she would uh, even try and take it a step forward, a step further in the uh, the airplane porta pot. Say less. I'll be taking flights every single day for the rest of my life for the chance of that happening. <laughs> my God. Hey, she's Jewish. I'm Jewish. Maybe 
Maybe we can make it happen. We're both single. We've got those two things going for us. Why not? Oh, I didn't even realize the uh, the Jewish thing. You're right about that, though. She's Israeli-American, man. She's one of our best. She is one of our best. for Ivy League educated. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah. And you said it. I mean, she's recently single. Her and her husband have separated after 11 years of marriage because he was having an affair. Who the hell cheats on Natalie Portman? That guy is a freaking egghead, too, if you look at a picture of him. I don't know if you can pull one up for the YouTube channel, but that dude, she is so out of his league. Shame on you, egghead, for cheating on Natalie Portman. And now you don't get Natalie Portman anymore, you dumbass. I can do you one better. I not only have a picture of Egghead, but I also have a picture on the guy on the gal Egghead cheated on Natalie Portman with. And you tell me if he made the right decision here. Oh no. Natalie Portman on the left with her now ex-husband and new girl, affair girl, homewrecker girl on the right. And that is the girl that broke up the relationship between Benjamin Millipede. Apparently that's the guy's name and Natalie Portman. And this girl is 25-year-old Camille Etienne, who is a climate activist. Oh my God. So miserable <laughs> company too. Yeah. Poor yeah, yeah, choices, yeah. egghead. Yep. That's what she's known for. She actually has a few hundred thousand followers on Instagram. So I guess she is famous for her work in climate active being activity activism. She probably paid for those followers yeah you might be right so this idiot literally cheated on natalie portman with that broad Ugh. and hey i'm thankful for it because now natalie portman is back on the market that's right you're gonna try and join the mile high club with natalie portman good luck with that thank you very much all right i think that's it it's going to conclude episode two a midday with Trey and BK. Tomorrow it actually will be midday with Trey and BK. We'll be live from 12 to 1, so keep it locked into Texas Sports Unfiltered to hear that. And once again, tomorrow morning, Bucky Godbolt will be on this channel. He will be here with me weekday mornings from 8 to 10 every day moving forward. The great Ricky Williams is going to join us at some point during the 9 o'clock hour as well, so do not miss that conversation and, uh, yeah, once again, Trey and I tomorrow from 12 to 1. Later today on the channel, it'll be Kevin Dunn and myself from 12 to 1. Uh, boy, KD didn't hold anything back yesterday in his first time on radio, TV, YouTube, whatever. In a year and a half, he was excited to be on. He was letting him loose yesterday. He's going to do the same today from 12 to 1. So definitely be ready for that one. And uh, subscribe to this channel so you don't miss out on any of the fun, Trey. Yeah, and KD and I, I think we're going to do something tonight. Look forward around 9 o'clock Central Time tonight. Beautiful. Looking forward to that. All right, thank you again to all of our sponsors, Audiovisual Consultations, Oldstad Beer, Centex Tickets, 7-Eleven, Relax the Back, Woods Comfort Systems, and Top Gun Lawn and Equipment Rentals. Trey, you've got your horns up. Do you have anything to say, or are you just putting your horns up because we're leaving? Just putting my horns up because we're leaving. Now it's awkward. I love it. No, just I'm going to keep talking for like five minutes until your hand starts to hurt from doing that. Ah, okay. You gave up pretty quickly. That's going <laughs> to do it for us. For Trey Elligai and BK Brad Kellner, thank you all so much for watching. And until next time, y'all stay safe. Welcome.